This is EIG Community Connection with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Hello, friends, and welcome to the EIG Community Connection. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm the Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. I have a plaque on the dashboard of my car that says, Be the change you wish to see in the world. What do I want to see? I want to see a celebration, a recognition, if you will, of all the people who are doing great things to make our world a better place. I want to be a part of that, and I want to share it. I want to train my mind to focus on the positive, and I think the best way to do that is repeated exposure. And that's why I love this radio show. We highlight wonderful people and organizations that are doing wonderful things and who are making a difference in our community with the hope of inspiring others to do the same. Today we're going to talk investing. Not in terms of wealth management, that's on our Money Sense show, but I'm talking investing in people. So think back to when you were a kid. Did you know back then what you wanted to do or, or be? I'm sure some kids know exactly what they want to do. Maybe they want to follow in a f- parent's footsteps, or maybe they love music and they know they want to be a musician or be in the music industry somehow. But I think a vast majority of kids don't really think about it until maybe high school or college. As a parent, I thought of my own kids and their personalities and strengths, and I had an idea of what I thought each would pursue. But my main desire and my prayer was that they would reach their God-given potential, whatever it was they chose to pursue, and that they would have a passion for it. Today, we're going to talk with two women who have a passion for investing in the future of women and girls so that they, too, have an opportunity to reach their highest potential. My first guest is Michelle DeBoard, Executive Director of the Women and Girls Fund in Waukesha. She's worked with the YWCA, United Way, and other nonprofit partners throughout the years. She is a mentor, a mentee, and a mom to a seven-year-old daughter. And she says that she's learning every single day that she has to be an example for her daughter of what to see in the world. Just like that plaque on my dashboard, right? Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I talked before about investing in people, and some use the term investing in human capital. I never liked that term. I, you know, I always thought it was so impersonal. I tell my kids to seek first to understand, one of those pearls of wisdom we like to pass along, right? So I figured I'd better do it myself. I looked to see how human capital was defined, and one of the descriptions I came across was this. The collective skills, knowledge, or other intangible assets like social and personality attributes and creativity embodied in individuals, employers, and the community so as to produce economic value. I know that's a mouthful, but let me repeat it real quickly. The collective skills, knowledge, or other intangible assets like social and personality attributes and creativity embodied in individuals, employers, and the community so as to produce economic value. I think that's a great description of what you do at the Women and Girls Fund. You're passionate about the issues women uh, that are facing women and girls in our community, and we're going to talk about some of those things in just a minute. But, Michelle, can you tell us, uh, start by telling us first how the Women and Girls Fund came about? Yes, actually, it's very interesting. The Women's Fund began in late 2014. It started when the YWCA of Waukesha ceased their operations and the remaining donor dollars were turned over to create a special fund dedicated to helping women and girls throughout Waukesha County. There were five uh, women who actually took that original endowment and 
started a new fund to carry out the mission of providing grants to projects for area women and girls. They also actually pledged to raise additional money, both by traditionally doing fundraising, but also continuing the long-honored Women of Distinction luncheon that they started. Hmm. That sounds like you're not alone in that passion to invest in women and girls. Many, many of those women uh, that you mentioned were were instrumental in the process. I'm sure some of whom were probably honored to receive that Women of Distinction award. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Well, the Women of Distinction luncheon is our signature event, and this year it marks the 34th year of this annual event. 34 years. 34 years wow. exactly. And what this event does is it honors the extraordinary accomplishments and leadership of women and young women. It is really a true celebration of those whose efforts have improved the quality of life in our community. Overall, it is remarkable that nearly 200 women and young women have earned this distinguished honor. Wow. I know our own Karen Ellenbecker was a recipient of the award, and we're going to talk to somebody in our next segment who was as well. So that's that's an exciting thing. Yeah. Among this group of talented and dedicated women, we have teachers, engineers, professors, mothers, attorneys, and an astronomer who works for NASA. Yes, we even have a rocket scientist in our midst. Wow. But collectively, these women have given back in many ways, locally here in Waukesha County, throughout the country, and even throughout the world. And this fund is really proud to recognize and continue recognizing those talents, their skills, and the accomplishments of the many honorees that have been nominated by others in our community for their willingness to give back. Mm. You know, that speaks to the topic of the human capital that we were talking about and, and just investing in, in women and understanding their talents and how they can contribute to the community. It's all, kind of, all, all great things going on over there. So how did you get involved and what inspires you to keep doing what you're doing? Well, I think what you uh, had mentioned in the beginning, uh, the one thing that truly inspires is me uh, inspires me is thinking about the world um, f- for my daughter, making sure that Mm -hmm. I am part of creating what that looks like. And professionally, I had the opportunity to work with many nonprofits. And that community partnership is is truly uh, part of that, uh, the talent that exists in our community. So with that, I had the opportunity to uh, become the executive director. And the women that are involved in the organization have really set that bar high. So when I was thinking back to the interview process, I knew that their dedication and commitment uh, to the community was part of an organization that I wanted to join. Hmm. A lot of great, uh, great women. And I'm sure uh, you deal a lot with uh, different challenges that uh, women and girls face. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But A question I have for you before we go to the break. Um, Some of the world's leading authorities on women and girls issues were asked at an International Women's Day event. What are the biggest challenges facing women and girls today? We're going to take a break and we'll be back shortly to answer that question. Ellen Becker is committed to giving back to the community. One way we do this is through this radio show, the EIG Community Connection, and through Money Sense. We also reach out by making our education center in our Pewaukee office available to local businesses and nonprofits who may need meeting or event space. For more information, visit our website at www.ellenbecker.com, email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, 
or call us at 262-691-3200. You're listening to EIG Community Connection with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Michelle DeBoard from the Women and Girls Fund. Before the break, I asked, what are the biggest challenges facing women and girls today? Ann Cotton, who is the founder of CAMFED, which is an international organization dedicated to empowerment of women, said, education is one of the biggest challenges. No surprise, right? She said, we want quality education because we are children of quality. What a great answer. I thought that was great. It was said that education is an investment in human capital that pays off in terms of higher productivity. Now, I think we can all agree that education is a key element in reaching your highest potential, and that's, that's one of the reasons why we opened our education center, so we can offer different educational opportunities for clients and the community. But, Michelle, how is the Women and Girls Fund contributing to that mission of education? I know you have lots of things going on. Can you elaborate on some of the different different ways? We do have a lot of things going on, uh, but I want to share a little bit about what happens to the individual woman that we're really focused on. And in my role, I I have the unique opportunity to go out and meet many women and, and girls who benefit from our grants. And I had the opportunity to go to our Paving the Path to College program at UW Waukesha. And this is a group of non-traditional female students who are determined to engage in the college experience. And when I talk to them directly and I hear their stories and learn about all the barriers that are uh, prohibiting them from success, I want to paint a picture of what that looks like. They were not looking for a handout. They didn't want a hand up. They wanted to see that there was a bridge to get them from where they were standing at the moment to where they really wanted to go. I remember one one student, she had a son, she had a full-time job, and she had fear. And unfortunately, that fear of failing um, and that fear... She was worried about not having enough time to be a good mom, a good employee, and a good student. Mm. So things we all worry about, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So that grant that the Women and Girls Fund gave her towards education really became that first step across the bridge by giving her confidence and encouragement and enrolling her in higher education. So that's a true uh, example of ultimately by investing in education, you're going to pave the way and increase her financial security and hopefully help out her son. So uh, education is truly one of the uh, areas of focus for us. So when the thank you card came from the students at the Paving the Path to College program, I keep it on my desk as a reminder of how these investments and the grants and particularly in education can truly make a difference. Some of the other challenges um, that exist, I, I know that when we continue to share about our impact, that it's really moving toward our vision that every woman and girl has the opportunity to, to reach their potential. Truly important, obviously. That's what we were just talking about and, and uh, trying to find ways that we can work with the next generation of girls coming through and, and women who are experiencing certain challenges. Um, what are some future events that you have coming up that you're going to be celebrating? 
Well, we are uh, excited about some of the things that will be happening in the community. And what we really want to focus on is making sure that everything that we create is is mission driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as the Women and Girls Fund is is a convener and a thought leader really dedicated to improving the quality of life, some of the things that we have recently done, women have opened up their homes and their businesses to provide a new platform and have fundraisers to get other people to know about the fund and actually what's happening. They invite friends and family to learn about the programs and get them involved. We also launched a women's workshop series last year. A woman uh, on our board raised her hand and helped us start the first two sessions focused on networking and winning from failing, kind of resetting that cassette tape in our head that, that tells us the things that we can't do to make the focus on the things that we can do. And as a result of that starting, it is now going to be a quarterly workshop dedicated to sharing information with others. These activities alone uh, helped us interact with over 200 individuals, and that doesn't even include the over 500 guests at our Women of Distinction luncheon. So those are some of the new ways in which we're uh, branching off. Mm. And and outreach and, and networking, that's such an important thing. I know I went to one of your events and was able to uh, to meet some interesting ladies. And what's great is that you are talking with the women and saying, what is it that you need? You know, what, what is it that we're maybe uh, not focusing on that we should or that we're focusing on that we need to give a little bit more attention to? So it's great that you're you're asking those questions and, and trying to make sure that you, you give them what they're looking for. Yes, we've spent a lot of time really proactively identifying issues that are important for women and girls. And we've, we continue to ask others to help us understand how the funds can uh, most impact the pressing needs facing women and girls in our community and we're over 350 responses so we'll be incorporating that in our in our grant and in our future direction Mm, that's fantastic Um, because we want to inform our listeners how they can get involved with the different organizations that we talk to um, what what are some ways that that volunteers can engage I know uh, we as a business have done uh, uh, some things with with the women and girls fund but if we had a uh, someone calling in, for example, or a client of ours that said, you know, I really like what the mission is of the Women and Girls Fund. How might they get involved? What would what would their steps be? We love when people raise their hand and volunteer, and we really put them in where their strengths lie. We had a group come forward, and they're going to be helping us uh, increase our social media to stay connected and get the word out there. We have fundraising. We have event planning. We uh, have the ability to be on a selection committee to review the the new New Hope Scholarship that we have. So there are a variety of different ways people can call and tell us what they're interested in, and we can find an opportunity for them. Great. Now, before we we let you go here, we want to make sure that we get your information out. Can you share with our listeners um, uh, the the logistics here, the phone number, the website, who they might talk to? Would they actually call and and speak with you directly? Yes, they actually could visit our website first, which is wgfwaukeshacounty.org, or they can call me directly at 955-1765. Great. Uh, the Women and Girls Fund is a great way to uh, to bring women together and, and find out how we might be able to impact the next generation, something that unites all of us women. 
Um, sadly, though, violence is something else that unites women around the world. And we said how important it is to be educated about facts that surround any topic, really. So the question I have for you before we go to break is this. How many women will experience violence of some kind in their lifetime? Thank you again, Michelle, for being here. And we will answer that question when we return in a moment. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG Community Connection with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to the EIG Community Connection. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. We've stressed how important it is to know the facts surrounding any issue discussed so that you can determine how best to move forward. Well, folks, this topic of violence against women is a serious issue and one that's getting increased exposure in the media. So we asked you before the break if you knew how many women will experience some kind of violence in their lifetime. The answer? One in three. That's one billion women worldwide. That's billion with a B. I would say that this is an important issue worth discussing and determining what we can do to help. My next guest is going to share some information about what their organization is doing to help women right here in our own backyard. My guest is Angela Mancuso. She is the executive director of the Women's Center in Waukesha. Angela has over a decade of professional experience as a leader in the domestic violence environment. She serves in a leadership role in a number of various capacities and has earned a number of accolades over the years, including that Women of Distinction Award we talked about earlier, and Michelle elaborate on it, and a mayoral proclamation for service to victims of domestic violence. Congratulations on those accomplishments, Angela, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Wow, this is, this is really a serious issue. One in three women will experience some form of violence in their lifetime. Those of us with daughters need to really listen closely so we can educate them on this topic. You know, I always tell my kids knowledge is power, right? So let's learn something here so we can be strong and we can teach our daughters to be strong. First of all, Angela, can you share with us why a place like the Women's Center was needed in Waukesha County? Certainly. Uh Primarily because of the statistic you just stated, um, one thing that is important to note that that data is based off of reported statistics. So actually the prevalence of domestic violence and sexual assault is significantly greater than what we really know as a culture to believe. So that one billion is is greater than, oh exactly. my goodness, right. that, that's it a scary issue. Yeah. entirely. So the Women's Center was founded in 1977 by five women uh, from Waukesha who um, were social workers uh, and therapists and were really working on um, trauma that their clients had experienced. So uh, most of domestic violence, sexual assault um, advocacy agencies started, you know, around 1975 to 1981. So um, we are 41 years old this year. Mm. And uh, much of the programs that our five founders, um, how they had designed the Women's Center in 1977, those are the programs we still have today, which tells you that, uh, you know, that's based off of demand and what our clients need and, and what they're telling us. Mm -hmm. And um, so 41 years in some regards seems, you know, 
uh, I'm older than 41, so it seems, you know, no, a long on, time. No. <laughs> but uh, um, As am but, I. <laughs> quite frankly, you know, violence against women and girls has been going on since the dawn of humanity. Sadly. But, you know, Correct. do you think maybe it just wasn't, uh, there wasn't an awareness as there is today? I think there wasn't, I, there probably was not the awareness, but also um, the acknowledgement that it is unacceptable mm. behavior. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, uh, violence again, in any way, shape, or form should not be expected or tolerated in healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. And and that's interesting because you we can talk about myths and, and misperceptions about, about uh, domestic violence victims. What would you say there? You know, right. Myths and misperceptions are, uh, for even for, uh, after 41 years, it's something we're still up against. So, you know, the most common and probably the most offensive is that uh, women um, provoke the abuse. Mm. So they did something. What did you do, you know, to make your partner so angry or so upset? I mean, uh, using violence in response to conflict is a choice. It is not... Um, um, caused by any outside factor it is absolutely a choice mm. and therefore that choice is 100% the responsibility of the perpetrator of the violence mm. no one deserves to be abused no one deserves to be sexually assaulted no matter uh, how what they were wearing or or what you know what they did or didn't do at, at a party how much they drank etc no one deserves to be abused so um that's one of the probably the most common myths and misperceptions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, another one would be that women like the violence. Otherwise, they would leave their, oh my their goodness. partners, yeah. right? And uh, oftentimes women want the violence to end, not the relationship. Mm. It, and leaving your abuser is a process. It's, it's not an event. It doesn't happen just instantaneously. Um, I would say another common myth is that it's caused by drugs and alcohol or actually I'll just... Um, pile onto that uh, bad economy. We mm-hmm. can tell you that those dynamics will exacerbate an already stressed relationship or situation, but violence occurs in a good economy and a bad economy, whether someone is uh, intoxicated or sober. And, you know, as a community, we want to be very careful about making uh, easy excuses for someone's behavior in harming another person. Mm. You know, I was at a work function a couple of weeks ago uh, with uh, my husband, and I was talking with a woman about this uh, topic, and she was talking about the Harvey Weinstein situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said something to me that I really wasn't sure how to respond. She said, you know, um, there are certainly women who are in a situation where they had no control over the uh, the abuse that happened but she said there are women that went into a situation knowing uh what could happen and i think she was specifically talking about uh the entertainment business and mm-hmm. that that particular situation and she said you know women can't now claim to be a victim when they went in and and they knew that this kind of thing was tolerated in that industry uh and i just i really didn't know what to say how would you have responded to her uh, well, that sounds like a lot of victim blaming and shaming uh, from from <laughs> where I'm sitting. I mean, how would necessarily someone know? People don't go into uh, circumstances automatically assuming that something bad is going to happen to them, right? Right. right? So, um, but that goes that speaks to the culture that we're in, which is you know either we'll call it rape culture or the culture of accepting violence against women as the norm. Um, really, no one deserves to have such a horrific 
transgression against their, you know, against them. Mm -hmm. And um, there is no excuse. There is, and we cannot continue to allow and accept these kinds of excuses. Well, she obviously knew what she was getting into. I mean, that that's speaks to some of those myths and misperceptions sure. about violence against women. Yeah. Um, you know, what we really need to do is flip this model in this conversation instead of saying, why did she go into his hotel room? Um, why don't we say, why did he sexually assault her? Why right, did he right. abuse her? Mm-hmm. You know, flipping the model so that it isn't um, focused solely on the victim. Sure. And you said before that a lot of women, uh, they don't want to end the relationship. They they want to get away from the violence, of course, but they, they don't know exactly how to get away from their uh, abuser. Um, in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about how to help a friend or a loved one that's in an abusive relationship. Um, and Angela will be able to elaborate more on that. But my question before we take the break is approximately how many sexual assault cases are actually reported to the authorities? We will be back in a moment to find out. You're listening to EIG Community Connection with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to the EIG Community Connection. I'm Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach for Ellen Becker Investment Group. And I'm sitting across the table from Angela Mancusa, the Executive Director of the Women's Center. So before the break, we asked what percent of sexual assault cases are actually reported to authorities. The answer, only about 30%. I got to tell you, that's that's something that's got to change. We want to talk about ways we can help a friend or a loved one in an abusive relationship. And I think maybe one of the ways we can start is to support them and encourage them to go to the authorities. Right, Angela? Right. I mean, believing and supporting is is the very first step. There's many reasons why somebody may not report to the authorities. Um, however, they can talk to the Women's Center and we can um, advocate and, and make sure that they feel safe and comfortable and in control of their options and choices um, should they choose to report. Okay, okay. Um, so what can we do to, to shift that culture of violence against women? Okay, we know that they, we want to encourage and support them to uh, report it, but what can we do to actually shift the culture of violence? Well, we need to continue to, as a society to condemn the acts of violence against women and stop making um, excuses or putting the, uh, the entire onus on the victim. And um, we need to also make sure that there are enough resources because all of the individuals who are coming forward now um, will need supportive programming and supportive services. Um, you know, real change happens slowly, but moving on to the next big thing happens very quickly. So we also want to keep this in discussions um, and um, keep sort of extending our hands and our hearts and saying, you know, we're here for you and we will believe you and we support you. And there's um, many ways that, you know, someone can help a friend or a loved one who is, who has experienced some form of sexual violence or is in an abusive relationship um, aside from, like I said, listening and believing, it would be establishing yourself as a safe person. Um, as you know, you had given that statistic about only 30% of sexual assaults, for example, are reported to the um, police. 
Um, oftentimes people won't tell anybody. They will carry it with them. They will suffer in silence and oh, they yeah. will, um, and because people won't know, they often pe- times people don't really know how to act or what to say. Um, another way would be to not rationalize what happened. The situation is already hard enough and it is not the survivor's, um, it's, it shouldn't be on the survivor to rationalize what happened to them to the person that they are finally disclosing to. It's um, really listening carefully, not telling them what they should do or should feel. So that ha- happens a lot uh, with someone who is trying to help someone leave an, uh, an abusive relationship. Um, you know what you should do? You should pack up and leave or you should do this. Or you should do that. Mm-hmm. Um and we do that because we're caring and compassionate people. Right. Uh, however, that could be very alienating um, to someone who has experienced that kind of trauma. The victim knows themselves better than anybody else. Nobody can speak to their experience except for themselves. And um, often abuse comes from our abusive relationships and the dynamics of abuse come from someone exercising power and control over another. Mm. So we as advocates and friends and loved ones, uh, as in a way to support that individual, not telling them what they should do is another huge component. Um, should is a bad word in, mm-hmm. in um, the advocacy field. I would say providing options. Um, so as the friend and loved one, Educating yourself on the resources Mm -hmm. and what's available in the community, like the Women's Center, so that you can say, hey, I know of a place that um, you could call and talk to somebody confidentially, or I've researched and, and, you know, found some resources for you. Education is such a a biggie. You know, they talk about, um, I have... Two daughters, uh, one that went through college, one that's that's there now. And one of the things that they did on at orientation is to educate the girls about safe zones mm-hmm. and just being aware of your surroundings and, and making sure that, you know, you're not focused on your phone or right. walking to the library, you know, 2 a.m. or, you know, things like that. Right. Obviously, education before something like this happens is is very, very key, I would imagine. Right. And that's a really good point. Um, That's uh, some of the work that we do at the Women's Center, you know, besides um, intervention is prevention. And um, that would be explaining um, ways to keep yourself safe, safety planning. Um, But again, we always want to be mindful that we spend as a culture, we spend a lot of time teaching, you know, girls and women how to not be assaulted and not be abused Mm -hmm. as opposed to teaching uh, boys and, and men how to not assault and not to abuse. So true, very true, yeah. So we just want to, really want to flip that model. Yeah. Um, What about this Me Too movement? You know, we've been hearing a lot about that out there. Uh, uh, Mixed reviews, obviously, depending on who you talk to. But there again, it's it's education and giving women a voice, right? Right. I would say it would be giving any survivor of assault and abuse um, a voice because we know historically people are not reporting the their experiences and again for numerous reasons fear isolation um, uh, uh, trauma anxiety you know and all that goes with the uh, experience that they've had so I think with the Me Too movement and the um, sort of other you know movements that that have branched off it has provided more of that voice because. Rep- we only have reported data to go off of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, something like the Me Too movement does 
can help people who may have been more skeptical or just completely unaware of what's been going on and how prevalent uh, violence against women and girls is. Um, I think one thing that's important is, you know, behind each hashtag is a human life Mm. and an individual who had a traumatizing experience. Mm -hmm. So we don't like to turn someone's experiences into um, a social media hashtag. Um, So that's not what we're trying to say, but it, it does provide a good platform to continue these kinds of discussions. I mean, you can't make this data up. Mm-hmm. You cannot right. make up people's experiences, you know, regarding sexual assaults. Um, well, let's see, I'll be generous. Between two and 10% of sexual assault claims uh, are false. Really? Right. So, and again, I'm being on the generous side. Mm-hmm. So uh, that means 90% or more are valid and real. Mm-hmm. And we, again, as a culture, it's incumbent upon us to believe that. Right. Because, and again, if we only want to focus on reported data, that's mm-hmm. reported data. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you guys have a lot of programs and services that are available. So if someone comes to you having experienced some form of domestic violence, they call you and they, they may not even know where to start. You know, and, and you obviously have so many ways that you can help them. Can you elaborate on some of those programs and services? Certainly. Well, um, at the Women's Center, we do work with adult and child survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, child abuse, and trafficking. And, and that's uh, a biggie, I understand, is, the human right. trafficking. And you know, would never have thought that in the Milwaukee area, but I understand that's There's that's human really trafficking in all 72 counties in the state of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. wow. um, including Waukesha mm-hmm. and, and the greater Milwaukee area. Um, We have uh, an emergency crisis shelter for people who need that immediate safe place to stay, um, who are experiencing violence. Um, We have a 24-hour hotline that anybody can call and people can call confidentially. And what is that hotline? That is 262-542-3828. And once again? 262-542-3828. Okay. And that's 24-7. The shelter and our hotline never close. Um, we also um, have a counseling model. So we have uh, counselors who specialize in working with youth who have been um, abused or sexually traumatized, and then also with adults. And then we also do the same with um, domestic violence. So we're doing one-on-one psychoeducational short-term crisis counseling, and we also have a support group model. Um, we have uh, legal advocates who are co-located at the Women's Center in Waukesha County Courthouse. So we're not dispensing legal advice. We're not lawyers, but we are helping individuals navigate the criminal and civil justice systems. No, that's wonderful. Uh, we we help a lot with restraining confusing. orders. Yeah, yeah. Right. And and just, um, um, again, working on safety. All of our programs, we work on safety planning and safety components. We do have an employment and life skills um, program as well. It's really job readiness training um, resume and skill building. Um, we do um, art therapy. We have a substance abuse counselor uh, on staff. We do um, um, children. You know, work. We're working with children who are either living in our shelter or um, are not living in our shelter but have been experiencing these issues. We do a lot of uh, community education and violence prevention. So we work in schools. Um, right now, it's primarily uh, middle schools and high schools. Um, and we're talking about healthy and unhealthy relationships, conflict resolution, um, teen dating, violence awareness. That's a that's great. I yeah, mean, yeah. The, the younger you get them, obviously, the the better. And I'm, by them, exactly. I mean you know 
boys and girls. Exactly. You know, right. understanding what their res- personal responsibility is. So that's great. Right. All of our programs are designed to work with anybody who has been a survivor of domestic violence, child abuse, trafficking, or sexual assault. So um, that's that's men and women. And um, we'll, you know, we can bullet point things about our programs that people would see on our website or in a brochure, but what we're really doing is catering and customizing our service model to the individual or family that is sitting in front of us. Mm-hmm. So it could look like anything. It, we provide, you know, transportation to and from, um, bus tickets and cab fares. We will... Um, uh, we do the rape crisis response for Waukesha County. So we are meeting um, victims at three hospitals in, in Waukesha County and providing that immediate um, safety and comfort and advocacy. Um, we will, uh, we have kennels in our, in our basement because uh, animal abuse is a, a precursor to an abusive oh, relationship okay. and or a warning sign, but also oftentimes someone will stay with their abuser um, because they have pets. Mm-hmm. So we will, um, um, they can bring their animals and then um, uh, the Humane Animal Welfare Society will will partner with us okay. um, to foster these animals. Nice. Um, you know, we provide, we provide all the meals, we provide uh, snacks, we provide, um, say it's a, somebody who has a new baby or is pregnant. First, we'll do a baby shower, but mm-hmm. we also just provide items that people need, diapers, formula, um, you know, new socks, new clothing, things like that. It's really whatever somebody needs and what we have the capacity and the resources for. So I like to say that we will move a mountain to help somebody, over, mm-hmm. you know, work yeah. through the trauma and, and feel like they have um, and feel like they are able to live um, economically self-sufficient, live violence-free, feel comfortable and confident and safe in, in their community. Mm, that's wonderful. What what I'm hearing you say are a lot of things that um, that our listeners can get involved in. I mean, you're talking about baby showers. I can go out and buy a gift. You know, I love <laughs> right. babies. I can I can come and hold a baby. I love dogs. I can come and walk the dogs. You know, right. work with Haws and and provide that service. Providing meals. Gosh, there's a lot of things that you're talking about here. Where if we have a listener out there that says, you know what, this this cause, this mission is something that I can really be passionate about, and I want to help in some way. Which again is why we're doing this radio show. We want to give organizations like yours, an opportunity to share with our listeners all the great things that you're doing in the community, how you're helping people with with the hopes of inspiring others to want to jump on the bandwagon and, and help out in some way. So we have somebody calling in to the Women's Center and they say, I want to help. Uh, you know, what ways can we do that? Mm-hmm. Well, we do have volunteer opportunities um, and that uh, is located on our website, which is www.twcwaukesha.org. And um, so to to volunteer in our direct service program, so on the hotline or at our front desk or in our children's programming, um, we ask that individuals um, fill out the application and send it to us. We do have a 20-hour um, mandatory advocate training, which we put on about four times a year. And then after that, there's there's even more training, um, which is uh, catered directly to the program someone is volunteering in. We also have, um, because we are a shelter and we so we have residential programming, we could see a lot of wear and tear. You know, we might have a lot of uh, um, really exuberant, happy kids who are 
um, uh, in our childcare area, and so that might need painting, um, <laughs> or, or you know, putting toys together, or even cleaning toys. We like to have uh, we have a peace garden on our grounds, and we like nice. to have. Uh, um, we're always looking for um, gardeners and and landscapers landscapers to help us out. I do not have a green thumb. So <laughs> I was going to say we that, always would like that. Yeah, that would not be me. But again, I <laughs> right? can help in the you nursery know, to, <laughs> to be to make it welcoming and and um, right. We do uh, um, we do provide um, free on site respite child care. So for any adult who is coming to the women's center for any of our programs, um, we always have a volunteer or an employee at the ready. Um, to to play and and um, uh, and that does include babies. Um, mm. So for those who like to to hold the babies, get our baby uh, fix. That's right. 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 Um, but we really do need the help of the community. I mean, we are uh, a twenty four seven program. You know, that's mm-hmm. three shifts of staff. So we are always looking for support. We have a wish list that's also on our website. We accept new items. Um, we are also a, a food pantry, so like I said, we we provide food for our clients, sure. whether mm-hmm. they are you know current clients or former clients. So having um, uh, that's primarily what our wish list is uh, is non perishable food items, but sometimes things come up like deodorant or toothpaste, diapers, and they take those like directly to your site. They can bring them right okay. to the women's center. Yes, um, and then we're always looking for help on on um, committees. So it could be working in our employment and life skills program. It could be um, um, helping us on a special event committee, or um, we also have a board interest form on our website. So. And then oftentimes groups will call us and say, hey, I've got 10 people that can come on this day. You know, what can you do? So there are times that projects do pop up, mm-hmm. the painting projects, you know, um, landscaping or um, helping us, you know, put our playground together. Um, and know, I know sorting a lot of organizations, too, our, our uh, Ellen Becker has embraced that, too, where, you know, we if somebody, if one of the employees wants to go volunteer mm-hmm. uh, somewhere, they can have some hours to do that. And so a number of organizations, too, are taking, like you said, groups of individuals to come in and, and work on a particular project. So that's that's a great, uh, another great thing. So um, before we, we before we let you go, can we make sure that we have contact information one more time as far as your website uh, uh, direct phone number. Obviously, with either of the organizations that we've talked to today, you can always get uh, online and go to their website, but it's always nice to have a personal contact name in Michelle and Angela. So can you share quickly that um, that information with us too? Sure. Well, again, our 24-hour hotline is 262-542-3828. And our website is www.twcwaukesha.org. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, it sounds like whatever you're, uh, however you want to help out, either with the Women and Girls Fund or the Women's Center, you can use your time, your talents, your resources. Uh, there's a number of way that, ways that you can accomplish that. So um, I want to thank my guest today. Again, Michelle DeBoard, Executive Director of the Women and Girls Fund, and Angela Mancusa, Executive Director of the Women's Center, both lake, located in Waukesha County. I hope we were able to shed some light on some tough issues today, but ones that really needed to be discussed so we can better understand how we can contribute to a solution and really make a difference in our community. So remember, we want to promote unity. We want to support. uh, We want to promote support and love of community and others. Uh, Some of these challenges affect all of us. So if we can collaborate and we can come together 
we can make our community a better place to work and live, not only for us, but for the next generation as well. If you would like more information about either of these organizations, uh, they gave you the contact information, but um, you can also email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Also, I encourage you to tune into our Money Sense radio show, which airs on Saturdays and Sundays. And you can visit our website at ellenbecker.com because all of these shows uh, after... Uh, They have aired, they become podcasts on our website, so you can get to those as well after the fact, and you can get more information about Ellen Becker as well. Join us again in two weeks as other inspiring guests share how they're making a difference in our community and in our world. We hope to inspire you to think of ways you can make a difference in the life of someone else. Until we meet again, remember, give a blessing and be a blessing. Have a great weekend.